So tonight, uh, we've been we spent a little time going over uh, mind renewal, what that is, and then we took a break from that and went really big picture again because a lot of times, you know, especially in America, but the tendency is of the modern church to teach about things, to come up with Bible verses about things, but never to do the things, and that's the difference between uh modern christianity and jesus he did the things that's the difference between modern christianity and the early church they did the things so uh today um i want to kind of springboard off of the teaching that i did at sunday at 1 30 on the live stream by the way um just to let everybody kind of get everybody on on board and up to speed with uh, what we're doing We've got a Sunday live stream at 1.30 every Sunday. That's Central Standard Time. And then if you have the app, which you can download wherever you download your apps, you can join us at our uh, our house church gathering, which is at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Um, and then, of course, we have this call and uh, 7 p.m. every single Wednesday. Um, also... Uh, we've had some uh, a few glitches with our app, which has not allowed us to do our push notifications like normal. Actually, they're going out, but you're probably not getting notified. And so we got a fix uh, for that going out right now. So just let everybody know that. Um, I want to share a quick testimony here. <clears throat> this is the this is the thing that I was going I was uh, experimenting with here. Oh, that's my camera. Hold on. Let's try this. A window. All right, this is uh, me, and this is James, who's usually on uh, these calls, and then uh, my son Levi, and then my middle son Ben. And this was Saturday of this last weekend. And uh, we, this is a testimony I shared Sunday, but this woman right here is Judy. And we went to her house, uh, Ben and I were a team, and we went to her house and knocked and nobody answered. So we don't wait a long time. This is when we're out doing door to door healing the sick. We just go out to set people free, heal the sick. People get born again. People have encounters with the power of God. People uh get filled with the holy spirit speaking tongues people get healed um and and so that's what we were doing here this is on our porch and um we uh left one of our tracks that we wrote there on the porch because she didn't answer and we moved on and uh we're at the next door and and ben starts talking to me he's like hey you know there's a lady coming around that house and coming down the street i'm like what this this woman was chasing us down. Usually that's not a good thing, right? Uh, I've had people chase me down and usually it's because they're upset about me being somewhere. Uh, but this lady was chasing us down and she's, and I, so I went down there to, uh, met her on the road and I said, yes, ma'am, how can I help you? And she said, she says, uh, I need to be healed. <laughs> and I said, well, you've come to the right place. I said, we could do it right here. She's like, no, nope, come on to my porch. Cause it was like a hundred degrees. So she wanted to get up in the shade and we got up there. She starts telling us her story. She's a believer. She loves Jesus. Uh, she speaks in tongues, man. We, she was speaking in tongues there and we were praying for her neighborhood and stuff, <clears throat> but she had for nine months, these are her words that she had been in agony for nine months from some strange disorder that she called a nerve disorder that felt like pressure going down the top of her head and it actually caused severe pain like a like a it caused like a, a severe pain to come over her, her entire head and face and down towards her neck but also at the same time a numbness so she said my teeth and everything are even numb so her entire head is numb uh, even inside her mouth is numb and she's dealing with this, uh, this horrible pain. 
And uh, she says, I want to be I want to be set free from this. I want to be healed. I want to I want to be free from all this. She said, I have a doctor's appointment this week, but I want to I want you to pray for me right now. So I did. And so I just took her hand in the name of Jesus. And I, I said uh, what we always say, you know, this what we say is not important. You don't even have to say anything. Remember that verse in Mark 16 where it says those who believe will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Doesn't even talk about saying any words right there. So I just took her hand and started releasing life. And I command, I broke the power of that thing and commanded it to leave her right now in Jesus name. And then I let go of her hand and just looked at her. And it was the funniest thing because she had her eyes closed and then she just popped open. She goes, it's gone. It's <laughs> just like, boom, nine months, continual, severe pain, numbness in her whole head, face and mouth. Can you imagine that? You know how bad that is when you like you ever, ever been to the dentist and they shoot you with the stuff and you're like, oh, I can't wait to get feeling back on this side of my face. She had been like that for nine months in her whole head and inside her mouth. Instantly set free as she starts doing this. She goes, I can feel it. <laughs> Feel it, and then she said, "Well, all I need now is." Uh, she she threw her hands up in the air, started praising the Lord. She was really really excited. She she was doing this little dance. She would do this little dance and twirl around this little old lady, and uh, and so she said, "Well, the only thing that I need now is for the Lord to heal my legs." And uh, I said, uh, "I said, what do you mean, heal your legs?" And she said, well, I've got these knots all down the backs of my legs. And it's caused me so much pain all the time. It just hurts. And I said, well, why don't you just check your legs real quick and see if those knots are still there? And she kind of got a look on her face like, oh, I hadn't thought of that. And so she reaches down, checks one leg all the way down. She's feeling stuff. Then goes the other one. And then she feels all the way down. She goes, and then she goes, hallelujah, those are gone too. And so she starts doing her dance and she's praising the Lord and she's speaking in tongues. And that woman got so set free. She was so excited. She's like, let's pray for my neighborhood. So we prayed for her neighborhood. And then she's like, let's pray for the churches in the area. So we prayed for the churches in the area. And so anyway, that was a, a very exciting thing. That woman, seeing that woman be set free like that. Everybody uh, that we prayed for, on Sunday had an encounter with the power of God. Like it, like the power of God hit that woman so hard. James was kind of standing behind her and she went, she went back into him and uh, everybody that we prayed for was like that uh, on uh, Saturday. Uh, Everybody except her were asymptomatic. You know, doctors diagnose you like, but you don't have any symptoms and they call it asymptomatic disease. I don't know what kind of disease that is where you don't have symptoms. But we prayed for several people like that. But she was she was again uh, one that had instant relief, instant wholeness in her life. So I wanted to share that testimony with everybody. Um, okay, so today I want to talk about I want to springboard off of something we did at uh, Sunday at one thirty, um, talking about. Um, what it looks like to live as the new man, uh, the new creation, the new creature. Anyone who is a Christ is a new creation. We've talked about what that means. When your sins are canceled, you are translated out of the race of Adam into the kingdom of his dear son, which means that your spirit, when sins are canceled, your spirit is recreated and made new and is recreated in the uh, likeness and image of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is just as powerful as Jesus' spirit. Um, and this is one thing that we often say, a Christian or a new, a new man in Christ is a sinless man, someone who has had their sins canceled, and someone who is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And that is the Jesus, that is who Jesus is. He was a sinless man, nor could there be any sin found in him, and he was indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So this is going to this teaching and what we're going to talk about today is going to assume that you know a lot of stuff that we've already taught. Uh, it's going to be pretty raw and edgy, and uh, but we've got to 
We've got to have it put in us over and over who we are, who this is, what it looks like. Uh, we have to. This is. We have to get the mentality of Jesus, the mind of Jesus. You know what he expects. You know, if you don't on purpose renew your mind to uh, the expectation of Jesus and the Word of God, it's automatically going to believe what you've been taught. It's automatically just going to believe. You're automatically going to believe common knowledge, right? Everybody's got common knowledge of stuff, right? Even unbelievers have common knowledge of God. They've got common knowledge of church, and they can tell you about God. They can tell you about church. Most of it is going to be completely opposite of the truth, but that's common knowledge. And uh, back in uh, uh, when we were fighting uh, Nazi Germany and uh, the Nazis would use propaganda, they would actually fly planes over areas and drop out leaflets, and and these leaflets were just full of lies, and they were full of, uh, you know, things that they had written down to sway the common knowledge of people. Right? It was propaganda. It was biased. Um, it's just like it's just like what we have going on in America, where you have people who are fighting for truth and people who are fighting for an agenda, and that's what's happening in the church as well. You've got you got churches who are fighting for agenda. You've got churches who are fighting for truth. So unless you do this on purpose, unless you dive into this on purpose, uh, you're just going to end up believing the propaganda that's floating around in the air. Okay. <clears throat> so let me start out by making a, um, a couple statements here. Um, I read this scripture Saturday or Sunday. Let me read it again. It's from Matthew 4, 23 through 25. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. So most modern Christians are going to separate themselves because of a common knowledge, a common perception that they can never be like Jesus, that Jesus is in a different class, that Jesus is some kind of other person, that he did everything that he did because he was God after all. But that is not true. Jesus stripped himself. This is Philippians 2, the whole chapter. He stripped himself of everything that made him God so he could come to, to the earth as a man. All right. Everything that Jesus did was as a man. It's important to understand this because he is modeling the new man. So what does it look like to live as the new man? It's easy because we can just look at Jesus, right? We can look at Jesus and see what it's like to function as a new man. Someone whose sins have been canceled, their spirit has been recreated uh, after the, the, the righteousness of God and who has been indwelt by the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus looks like. Jesus was the example of a full-grown son, all right? And we are coming into this not as full-grown sons, but as one the, as those who are maturing into full sonship. The entire New Testament is centered around this fact that we are to grow up into him in all things, even the head, even stating in Ephesians 4.11 that, it is the job of what we call, and, and read there, the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist to mature us unto the measure of the stature of his fullness. What does the measure of the stature of his fullness look like? Well, we just read it in two verses in Matthew 4, 23 through 25. Church and the common knowledge of church and modern church does not agree with any of these things that I'm reading from the Bible. You're going to have to decide 
Who? What's you're pursuing here? You're pursuing modern church agenda, traditions of men, doctrines of men, doctrines of demons, or are you going to de- demonstrate the new man? You're going to demonstrate and walk as he walked and put your feet in his footsteps. All right. People who who argue over, uh, you know, things about the Bible and they have their their pet traditions. They have their uh, things that they they always bring up about what they believe. Okay, these are people who who never really grow or start maturing into the measure of the stature of his fullness. See that that's that's the way modern Christianity is. We want to read about it, talk about it, study it, have Bible study groups about it, have fellowship about it, but we don't want to become it. And we have a very a big shortage and lack of people, fathers who have become it, that can teach others. So we have to look at these verses, say, that's Jesus. He's my example. Everything he did was to model this new man, this uh, this what it looks like to live as this new man, so that we could do the same works and, as he promised, greater. So the mentality of most Christians It's more closely aligned with the modern church's worldview and culture than the new man that I just read, right? Just pick a random church this Sunday and go to it, and they're not going to say anything related to what I just read to you concerning the ability to walk as Jesus walked and conduct ourselves as he conducted himself for the purpose of the kingdom subduing all of his enemies in the earth, okay? Um, We want to teach the new man, look at verses about the new man instead of adjusting ourselves to become the new man. So this is about adjusting ourselves to become something. Now, you can't adjust yourself. If you are born again, and especially if you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you cannot adjust yourself to become a son. You are a son. Right, you can't get a better relationship with God because Jesus fixed that problem. You are a son, all right. You are a son if you are born again. You cannot, you cannot help that. That's been done for you. He has made you a son. Now, what you lack, let's assume that everybody's baptized in the Holy Spirit and born again, listening to my words. If you're not, you need those two things. But what you lack is uh, is the mentality and the mindset and the understanding that Jesus had that caused him to manifest the spirit of his father. Jesus said, it's not I who does these works. It's the spirit of my father. And, you know, we have immature people all the time trying to tell us, don't you know that you can't heal anybody? Well, of course, it's not just like Jesus, not I who does these works. It's the spirit of my father. All right. So uh, I want to jump from there to Mark 7, 5, and I'm going to read a few verses here uh, down to 13. Mark 7, 5 through 13. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk? according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands. And he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written. Ever notice how when Jesus talks to religious people, he calls them a name within the first one or two sentences? I just thought that was interesting. (laughs) Uh, As it is written, This people honors me with their lips. Jesus is being unchristian again. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is a uh, given, that is a gift given to God. Then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father 
or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and many th such things that you uh, many such things you do. So Jesus kind of starts and ends here in the same place. He says, uh, there is a people that honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And that is what the point of a lot of the point I'm trying to get across here is that we follow religiously commandments of men, doctrines of men, doctrines of demons, instead of getting into the word of God for ourselves, reading it, understanding it, making it our entire purpose that it would break open to us and illuminate us with full understanding. Instead of doing that, we just rely on what people teach us, rely on what men teach us, rely on common knowledge. And Jesus says, people who do that worship me in vain. So this word in vain or vain means an unsuccessful search. Isn't that interesting? That's a real common kind of word in modern Christianity to seek the Lord or to search for the Lord or things like this. But Jesus is saying, you worship me and search for me unsuccessfully because you teach as doctrines the commandments of men. Um, then at the very end here, this last verse in thir verse 13, Mark 7, uh, 13, he says, uh, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and many such things you do. All right. So Jesus is really making a point here. He's talking about, you know, they have put commandments, teachings, things taught by men, things men made up in front of uh in front of true doctrine, good doctrine. And this word void, make void the word of God. This word void means to invalidate, to disannul, make of no effect, to render void, deprive of force and authority. I really, really like that last part there. You make void the word of God by your tradition. You render void and deprive of force and authority the word of God. That's modern Christianity. Deprived of force and deprived of authority. Okay. <clears throat> Let's jump to Luke 7, 18. This is where the disciples of John go to Jesus and ask him a question. Okay. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, speaking to Jesus. John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another you know what and there's john or there's jesus's big opportunity right he's got they have come to ask a question i mean the new york times has shown up or whoever cnn uh you know fox news here comes two guys from the greatest prophet of the old testament john the baptist asking are you the one, John wants to know, are you the one, or should we look for another? Man, this is Jesus' opportunity to really say what matters, right? This, this is, this is Jesus' opportunity to put his best foot forward. This is Jesus' opportunity to, to say something that's going to stick in the minds of people, right? What could he have said? Tell John I keep the Sabbath, right? Tell John... I only eat clean food. <laughs> Tell John, I'm nice to people and I just want to get along with them so they know that I love them. <laughs> you 
You know, he could have said a bunch of things. Like what would, what would, if, if that was modern church or most leaders in the church today, what would that answer be? Are you the one or should we look for another? Yes, we're the one. We have uh, the best children's programs. We have great praise and worship. You should just be here on a Sunday morning. Uh, we, you know, we have streaming, you know, all these things that people use to bait people to come into their church, right? They, they have all the programs. They have the sound doctrine. They're, they're right and everybody else is wrong. It just depends on the flavor, right? So Jesus's opportunity right here, he could say any of these things. He could say, hey, tell them I keep God's Ten Commandments. You know, this is the Messiah talking. Instead, listen, we're kind of we're trying to put in ourselves this mindset, this mentality, who he is and who he, he's made us. Okay. Instead, this is what he does. He literally turns around and takes uh, a few minutes. It says, in that hour. So for for up to an hour. Jesus literally turned around without speaking to them. And for about an hour, he began to do something. Let's see what he did. In that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them, go and tell John. What you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Leopards are, lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have the good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended of me. So what does it look like to live as this new man? And what is the answer for causing crowds of people to follow Jesus? Heal them all. This is the adjustment that we have to make. This is the, this is the world's problem with us. Because we say we follow Jesus, but we can't do what he did. You know, we see it is brutal going door to door because you're going to come up with a bunch of people's. You're going to be constantly barraged by people's opinions of Christianity, people's opinions of Jesus and people's opinions of the church. And sometimes they're right. <laughs> I had one guy. I was trying to convince him to let me come in and pray for his wife, who, who was a stroke victim. And we've seen people with dead body parts get them back and be able to move them again. And she had paralysis of some kind. And he said, well, I love this guy for this. He said, well, have you ever prayed for somebody who was missing an arm and it growed out? I said, nope. He said, come back when you do. He wasn't a believer. But interesting, in, in uh, Matthew 4, when it says that he went all throughout Galilee and that whole region, healing everyone, healing all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, oppressed by demons, seizures, paralytics, he healed them. And then it said great crowds followed him from Galilee. Great crowds followed him. That's right before the Sermon on the Mount, by the way. So. So in modern churches attempt to teach us to be Christ-like and their attempt to gain a following for Jesus and their attempt to get people to pray a prayer. And maybe you have felt that own pressure in your life. Hey, if I can just get someone to pray a prayer that will change everything. Listen, what's going to change everything is if you learn how to, and I learn how to adjust ourselves to become this, these things that I read. There is no other way, okay? We've gone over the verses where Paul says, I fully preached the gospel of the kingdom with signs and wonders and miracles of all kinds. 
We cannot speak the name of Jesus without the demonstration of the power of the dominion of his spirit. This has got to become the main thing. Jesus was militant about this. Can you imagine somebody coming to you and said, are you the one? You know, what do we tell people? Are you the one? And then just ignoring them and turning around and spending, you know, 45 minutes or so healing paralytics, people with plagues, people who are deaf and blind. This is the, this is the response that Jesus is looking for. And let me tell you, <clears throat> it's going to disappoint everybody and your flesh. This is Jesus. Now, let's go to Ephesians 6.10. This is, uh, all this stuff is ESV version, if you care to wonder about this. But this one is the Passion Translation, because it's extra offensive, and I just want to read it. Ephesians 6.10. Now, beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. What important truths could these be? Must be pretty important. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. Put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you will be protected as you fight. As you do what? Fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. And so we can see from just these few scriptures right here that when we when we we interact with Jesus in the earth, what is he doing? Listen, what is he doing? He's on a mission to subdue all of his enemies and liberate the planet from the influence of the kingdom of darkness. Are you the one? They said what did Jesus do? He went on war, a war path against the enemy right there in those crowds, thousands of people. He just started setting people free. And when you set someone free, you're destroying the stronghold of the devil in their life. This is Acts 10, 19, where it said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, who went around uh, doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. Sickness is an oppression of the devil. Ephesians 6.12 puts it this way. Demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. And that doesn't offend us. That doesn't offend humanity. But it offends God. That there would be evil holding not only humans, but this world in bondage. It's so offensive that that he gave his son to be slaughtered for it. For God so loved the world. Okay, that's not, that doesn't mean for God so loved people, although we are in the world. Okay, that word for world there is like the cosmos. In the Greek, that's where we get the word cosmos, that word for world. God so loved the cosmos, everything he created. It's been brought under the tyranny of the kingdom of darkness. He so loved it that he sent his son, that through his son, a new humanity would arise in the likeness and image of Jesus Christ. Because as we have studied many times, that we have been foreordained to be conformed into his image, into his likeness, predestined for the same works that he did. That through this new humanity, or through this, what the Bible calls the ecclesia, which we translate in English to the word church, that through this, we would put all of his enemies under his feet. And and in fact, 
Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. Multiple verses state this until such a time as all of his enemies are put under his feet. And that is our job. That's why the commands of Jesus include preach the gospel of the kingdom, heal the sick, period, raise the dead, period, cast out devils, period, cleanse lepers, period. Now, the beautiful thing about this is that if you begin to apply yourself to go after these things, you will automatically begin to suit up in Christ. Because you cannot do this stuff. I cannot do this stuff. But the Spirit of Jesus Christ in us does the work. The same work and greater work. And this is the mystery of the ages that Paul taught about so many times in the New Testament. This mystery was hidden that a new humanity would come from Jesus, the firstborn among many brethren. That in this new humanity, the same spirit that indwelt Jesus would indwell us. And we would be walking in the earth as Christ in us. Doing what he did for the purpose of the kingdom. Preaching the good news, which is the proclamation of the supremacy and the superiority of Jesus Christ through all things. See, you begin to, to go after this stuff on purpose. You begin to apply yourself to seek out captives, people who have been taken captive, people who have been, uh, as this says, held in uh, uh, bondage by evil spirits and demon gods. You begin to seek this out. You're going to have to adjust some things in your life because the Christianity that you have commonly known cannot deal with it. You're going to find yourself automatically adjusting to get the job done. Right? It's kind of like riding a bike. You can watch videos about riding a bike, draw pictures of bicycles, go shopping on the internet for bicycles, talk to your friends about bicycles. But until you get on that bike and you adjust yourself to balance, you have not got the ability to ride a bicycle. And that's the same way when we lay our hands on people who are in stage four cancer, or when we lay our hands on people who have all manner of sickness and disease, you know, the list is so long. I, anymore, I have to just read it in order to keep up with everything that has been healed. But you learn how to adjust yourself to destroy the works of the devil. You know what else happens to you? You learn to adjust yourself so that you too can stay free of the influence of the enemy. You adjust your mindset. This is why Paul's always talking about the mindset, especially in Philippians 2. He said, let this same mind be in you. And he talks about laying down our lives unto the death. Everybody, everybody has in, the, in them the part of their humanity that wants to get better, that wants to do well, that wants to pursue things, that wants to, you know, find what makes them happy, feel fulfilled. But listen, you're not going to reach that fulfillment and the, 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 the great blessing of fulfillment until you die to yourself and put on him. And begin to destroy on purpose the works of the enemy. Begin to, to, to disciple people unto the measure of the stature of his fullness. So to wrap this up, I want to go in a, a real, it seems like a really weird direction. It's really good. It's not weird. But I'm going to read a scripture that you did not anticipate me reading here. This is Mark 12, 30. And... Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. This is King James, obviously, because we, we know this verse in King James. All thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind, and all thy strength. This is the first commandment. All right, so I'm just going to go through heart, soul, mind, and strength. So, if we're going to love him with all of our heart, in the Greek, this is cardia. And it's, it's a word that's commonly used to just describe the core of your being. It's not talking about your the organ of your heart. It's talking about the core of your being, right? It's pretty simple. 
All right. Love the Lord thy God with the core of who you are. Now, all thy soul. Soul is in the Greek is the word psyche. It's where we get the word psyche. And this word psyche, which is used translated as soul, is literally the soul, mind, and spirit. Okay? So we're like really going to encapsulate everything that we are. So love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, your soul, mind, and spirit, and with all thy mind. And this word mind is dianoia. And it doesn't really mean mind. Guys, get off the internet. It doesn't really mean mind. <laughs> Love the Lord thy God with all thy mind. This is what it means. This is where it gets really good. The exercise of deep thought, imagination, and understanding. This is straight out of the Strong's Concordance. You can look it up. Love the Lord thy God with the exercise of deep thought, imagination, and understanding, and with all thy strength, with which is a, a really weird Greek word, ishis, which means forcefulness, ability, might, power. And strength. Now, what happens when we begin to get all of these things together? Right? This is this is this encapsulates single-mindedness. Okay? So here's what we could say out of loving God like this: power emerges from single-mindedness. From the breath of your life, the fully convinced and believing heart, and the deep thought of understanding, propelled forward by every ounce of strength and might that you possess. This is like a, a someone who's straining towards the finish line of a race. You ever see them when they get to the end and they lean forward and they win, but it's just like uh, by inches, okay? This is what this means. See, we're not just loving God like we love our cat or like we love our dog or whatever, okay? This is about a single-minded, narrowed focus, the same mindset as Jesus Christ the same mentality as Jesus Christ that allowed the spirit of his father to be made manifest through him. Remember, everything he did was done as a man. That's good news because that's who you and I are. <laughs> We're men. All right? Humans. Okay? So power emerges. How do we start to walk in this? How do we start to live as this new man? Listen, it's going to take all of your faculties. It's going to take all of your focus. It's going to take all of your pursuit. It's going to see Paul is always teaching about this stuff. He's like, pray for your leaders that you can live a quiet and peaceable life. Why? So you can watch Netflix? No. <laughs> so you could pursue an undistracted singleness of mind and heart. In this, in the, in able, enabling you to walk in this reality, manifesting the spirit of Jesus Christ through you. See, this is how we can do what he did and even greater. Because the spirit that did the work in Jesus is the same spirit that does the work in us. So, what are some things... Really practical now. What are some things that will prevent us from engaging our entire faculties, our the core of our being, our psyche, our mind, soul, and spirit, our dianoia, the exercise of deep thought? Ever have you 
Most people never exercise deep thought, right? They have constant imaginations going that kind of rule them. And they always got imaginations going and the devil gets involved in their imaginations and they're just distracted by their imaginations. That's, that's a sign of, that's a sign of a weak mind. So you got to be disciplined in your mind. You got to discipline yourself to have a strong mind. It's called self-control. A strong mind is a product of self-control. Okay. So the exercise of deep thought and understanding and the forcefulness of ability, might, power, and strength within you as you pursue these things, this is how we love him, and this is how we manifest him. What are things that prevent us from going into this focus, this mindset, this, this narrow-mindedness, this focused mind? Number one, I've got two things written here. It's really just two things. Number one, fear or anxiety. Fear and anxiety will eat you alive. It will drain your strength. And there's one verse where King David says that fear caused his bones to, to uh, be turned into water. <laughs> Have you ever been that afraid where it feels like your bones turn to water? That's what fear does to you. It robs you. It depletes you of strength. Anxiety. I used to live with a with a level of anxiety. It wasn't a high level, but I had a low level of anxiety constantly. I didn't take medication for it or anything. I just had it, you know, and you just get used to it. But the thing was, it was preventing me from stepping into uh, loving the Lord, my God, with all my heart, soul, mind, strength, all this stuff we just talked about. It was preventing me from manifesting Jesus Christ, not only in my own life, but outwardly. What did I have to do to get over this? Well, I started by, as I've said before, when I got this single focused desire, when I allowed this desire to cultivate in me that no matter what it costs, I was going to step into this. I was going to walk like Jesus and I was going to have a face to face with God continually. I sat in my room and turned the lights out, and I just began to worship him and focus my mind on him, even in silence. And I made it, like I say that, I tell that story, I made it for like 15 minutes. It seemed like five hours, but it was 15 minutes. And everything was going through my mind, my whole childhood, all my work, all my family stuff, my fears, my anxieties, doom, dread, people I hated, People that love me, people I didn't know if they loved me. I mean, just my mind was, was just a Ferris wheel. It's just a, a rat, a rat's nest. But I began to discipline my mind to stay focused on him. And when I got born again, that's one of the scriptures, the first scriptures I ever read, it's in Isaiah. It says, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. And as Christians, as modern Christians, we've allowed the common perception of what that means to, to guide us, to rule us. Well, you know, I spend 15 minutes with the Lord every morning and I try to, I try to think about him throughout. I try to think about him throughout the day, right? <laughs> that is not what this is. That's not the level that we have to come to. The level that we have to come to is no matter what we walk into or what we walk through, that we stay in perfect peace because there is nothing that can take hold of us because we're in him. All right. And so fear and anxiety are the number one things that are going to disallow you from stepping into this peace, stepping into this power, stepping into the manifestation of Jesus Christ in your life. Fear is like a constant torment in your mind. You know, no one can ever walk as Jesus walked with that kind of thing going on in their mind. The second thing I have written down is <clears throat> preoccupation or the cares of this world. This has to do with our mind as well, but people who are preoccupied or overly preoccupied with things, situations, 
needs, concerns, doubts, fears again. People who have a preoccupation in their mind are never able to occupy who they're supposed to be in the Lord. The preoccupation steals the bandwidth from your psyche, steals the bandwidth from the core of your being, steals the bandwidth from the exercise of deep thought. You want to know when you're starting to make ground concerning peace, concerning the spirit in your life, when you're able to think deeply. That's called meditation. That's called uh, meditating on the word of God. That's called, that's where you have to get if you want to truly renew your mind. So mind renewal is not just, you know, saying the scripture over and over. It's you taking the time to think deeply and immerse yourself in the truth of a a promise from God until it completely overrides all other opposing thoughts, feelings, or actions, or other forces. Okay? So, for example, when I say, I walk... In the power of Jesus Christ, I lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, right? That's just not positive speech or positive thinking. I'm immersing myself and I am uh, thinking deeply on this truth, this promise, this reality until I immerse myself in the reality of it and I become fully convinced, right? You've got to become fully convinced. You've got to arrive at a different conclusion, which is truth. You've got to become fully convinced that of who Jesus was and what he called us into, which is walking just as he walked. You've got to become fully convinced. And you know who you're going to have to inoculate yourself against? Friends. Family members, TV commercials, (laughs) church preachers and teachers who do not have renewed minds, who teach doctrines of men, uh, uh, commandments of men as doctrines. And you listen to that stuff enough, you you go to a church that says the Holy Spirit's not for today and miracles are no longer. Listen, you hang around that stuff, you're going to see... The result of it in your life with no ability to manifest Jesus Christ. You're going to have to, uh, Curry Blake actually says this. He says, you got to become heavily meditated. Right? Ever heard that term heavily medicated? Heavily meditated in the truth. In the truth. This is why you've got to. Lay down your life, pick up this truth, immerse yourself in it deeply, and begin to manifest Jesus Christ. If you manifest Jesus Christ, and you have the same mentality as Jesus Christ, you will do what he did, and greater, he promised it. 